of course, the Bible studies will remain the same that we have in the morning times. But, you know, we, we, we're at a point where we want to become grounded in the Word, and, and we know that this is one of the, the best ways uh, to do it, is to, to grow intimately in smaller groups together with one another and with God. But we need your help. We need to know who's interested in doing that. We need to know who's interested in just being part of a group, who's interested in leading a group, who's interested maybe in even though you don't think that you, know, you, you could lead a group or you're not ready to do that yet, uh, maybe you want to open up your home you know, to, to a group to meet there. I, I don't know what, what the calling may be, but we have a, uh, an interest form that I'm going to ask uh, for some men to come and pass out. I see uh, our good brother here, and Joel, if you wouldn't mind helping. Larry, I see you standing up. Monty, if you want, I think four would be great. I'm just going to give you all stacks of, of uh, four stacks, and if you would just start handing it out uh, to folks, because I want to make sure we get it in everybody's hand before we leave this morning. And uh, it's not something you have to fill out right now. In fact, I implore you, please do not fill it out during the sermon. <laughs> just, just save it for later. I just want everybody to have it in their hands, as many people as much as we can this morning, because I want you to pray over it and ask God to, to lead you in this. But sincerely pray and say, Lord, do you want me to be a part of one? Do you want me to teach one? And uh, once you fill these out, drop them off at the, at the Connection Center uh, next Sunday, maybe you'll hang around long enough to fill it out after church is over. You can leave it today if you want, uh, again, or in weeks, you want to keep praying about it, and several weeks later, we're going to spend the next couple of months getting these things together and finding some teachers, but I would love your help first. I know sometimes it's easier when somebody comes and asks us to do something, that that's the time that we tend to do it, uh, you know, when they personally come and ask. But there's so many I would love for us, if you feel called or led in any way, even just to be a part of one. Uh, just please mark that down and, and please be faithful to turn these back in because we want to connect with each other. And we would like to find out what areas you live in because some of you all, we don't have addresses and such for, but you'd like to be a part of it. We don't have areas and such that you, uh, that you live in. Uh, so that way we can be strategic about the age range of the group and then the location that it meets in. So please take time to fill that out. And if you see the, um, you know, I am, I am a member the reason that we include that, just so I let you know, so there's no surprise, is we believe that you need to be a member of First Christian Church to teach and lead any kind of Bible study, small group, or Sunday school. The reason we do that is because we want to make sure we're all on the same page doctrinally. Uh, we want to make sure that we agree on the same things because the elders are who oversee that, and we want to be responsible in who's teaching. But if you put on there, there's a spot for I'm not a member yet, but I'd like to be one. Please, put that down and I'll contact you and we will get together and we will talk about taking the next step and serving God here. Membership is not required to get into heaven other than being baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting Him, living for Him. That's a requirement, but, but to serve here in, as far as in a teaching capacity, leading capacity, we want to make sure we're all on the same page. I hope everybody understands that. Uh, we, we, we want to be accountable to one another. The Scripture calls us to that. Uh, real quick, and I want to thank those guys. Y'all handed those out really fast. So thank you very much. Everybody get one? Wow. Y'all are asleep. You've eaten. That's the problem. You've eaten and now, oh. Somebody said, we might go to sleep on you. I said, well, if I go to sleep, just wake me up. You know, that's, just throw something at me or something. Just make it real soft. You know, I'll get the message. I'll wake up. But I've got a little joke for you I'd like to share. There was a teacher who walked into her classroom and, uh, and it was in a, in a university setting, and she looked at the students and she said, 
I just want to tell you today that I have decided that there is no God. I can't see Him. I can't feel Him. I can't touch Him. I can't taste Him. There's nothing I can see, feel, touch, taste, anything to, to prove God exists, and so therefore He doesn't exist. And a little bit of silence fell over the classroom, and one of the students raised his hand, and uh, she said, do you have a retort that you'd like to make? And he said, yes, ma'am. I want to tell you that I believe that you don't have a brain. She said, what? She said, of course I have a brain. He said, then prove it. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't hold it. I, I, then therefore, you don't have a brain. I thought that was pretty good logic. On the other side of things, you have a teacher who uh, walked into her classroom and she told a group of younger students, she said that, uh, she asked the question, she said, when I, when I stand upside down on my hands and my head is facing down toward the ground that all the blood rushes to my head, but yet when I stand on my feet, all the blood doesn't rush to my feet. Why is it that that, that happens to my head but not my feet? Little Timmy raised his hand and said, well, it's, it's pretty simple, don't you think, teacher? There's more room upstairs than there is downstairs. I thought that was pretty good. I heard that one this morning. The things that, uh, that, that you know, people will retort sometimes, they really make you think, especially kids. Kids say the darndest things. All right, well, let's pray and ask God to bless our time of study together. Father, thank you for being here with us today and giving us this opportunity to share and to uh, to uh, bless your holy name, Lord, uh, to, to give you the praise that you are so worthy of and that you so deserve. And I just pray, Lord, now that, that you will humbly hear all of our prayers that have been offered and that you'll take our vision and that, Lord, you will show us where we need to follow you in it. And if we need redirection, Lord, redirect us. Uh, Father, we, we pray that you will uh, show us, O oh Lord, how it is that we can live to serve you, Lord, not only individual lives, but together as this corporate body, uh, greater and greater in this place as the days and months and years go by, as long as you will allow us, if you'll give us that long. Father, we just want to live to glorify you. We want to praise you now uh, by the way of our lives and by our adherence to your word. Lord, we come to your word because it is holy, it is living, it is it is truthful, it is as applicable today as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. Lord, we come because we want to, to receive it that we might be a blessing, uh, Lord, unto the world for your name's sake and that we also be a blessing unto ourselves, Father, and, and, and closer adherence to you and to your ways because, Lord, we want to be like Jesus. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we strive for that, though we fail miserably. I know I do on many days. But, Lord, thank, thank you that you give us grace and mercy follow us all the days of our life uh, to, to cover up those things that, those sins and transgressions that, that need to be not just covered but washed away, Lord. Thank you for that. Help us by your word this morning to, to fully and more, more appropriately grasp your grace and mercy, but Lord, what it also means to, to live uh, by your word, rooted and built up in it, uh, Father, that we might be more pleasing unto you. We pray these things and ask your blessings of conviction as well as comfort fall upon us as we approach this word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you please to open them with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, uh, the scriptures are in the bulletin as well and they are on the screen for you this morning. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 and 
reading through verse 8. This is what it says. I want you to know how I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I love trees. I'm not a tree hugger, just to let you know. I need to go back and say something. Do you know how hard it is to find a good clean joke? I'm just going to let y'all know that. So when y'all, you know, think it's kind of corny, I mean, they ain't too much good to work with sometimes, you know. So if you ever find a good one and you're just laughing and hee-hawing, you get a good joke and you'd like to share it with me, you feel free to do that. And if, and if, if the Lord so moves me, I'll share it with the people. So, but I just need to, I just need to say that. But I, I want to say again, I, I, I do love trees. And, and, and I love them because of what they are. And, and I love all of creation. And I love how God just puts, it seems, so much time and effort into what He created, even though He spoke it and it became. Uh, God, uh, just in His infinite wisdom and knowledge, knows just exactly how to make everything perfect and all the pieces to come together as, as only he, he can. And again, I think one of the marvels that I, I look at in our, in our nature uh, around us in our world is, is trees. And I love them mostly because of the variety I find in them. And, and when I think about trees, different trees mean different things to me. For example, when I see a palm tree, I am most likely on my way to meet my parents for our yearly family beach vacation. When I see a palm tree, that's, that's, what, that's, what, I, that's what I think about. That's about the only time I see it. Then when I see a well-trimmed Fraser fir, I think not only of Christmas, but I remember all the years, five years that I spent during middle school and high school working on a Christmas tree farm up until two weeks before I went to college. That's what I did. I loved it. I loved it. And I loved uh, being with the family who would cut their tree down and, and, and take it and their kids would be with them, but I hated it when they'd make me drag it. I'm like, are your arms and legs broke? You know, I cut it for you, now you drag it. That's part of the fun. No, but I, I, even, enjoyed, I even enjoyed that too. And, uh, oh, by the way, you know, this was, a, this was a Christmas tree farm where, you know, we didn't have an automatic baler. I was the only worker, and I was a baler. It wasn't automatic. It was manual. And that's a, ta that's a talent and ability right there. But I was not allowed to time to the top of the car, and I loved it how you go down the road, and they didn't time to the top of the car right, and they'd fall off. And they'd be screaming and a-hollering, and they'd say, help us. I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> can't. That's what, you make. that's what you get for making me drag your tree for you. So... <laughs> Fun, fun memories, it really is, I joke, but just, you know, the, the large part of my, my life that I've spent at that point in time, learned a lot of lessons there, I, so I love seeing a, a nice, well-trimmed Fraser fir, takes me back. And then when I see a tall oak tree, I think of the firewood that 
my grandparents need to stay warm for the winter. I look at a tree and I go, not with the leaves on it, but when it's summertime and it's dead, I'm like, oh boy, that one's coming down. And that's a picture actually from this weekend. I spent Friday cutting a load of wood with my uncle and we, we took that load of wood up to my grandparents. So that's, you know, when I see it, when I see a big old oak tree, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Good fire wood. My Nana keeping that house about 95 all winter long. <laughs> Woo! We had that hot spell a few weeks ago. My dad said he went in that house. He said he just broke into a sweat. Just, whoo, just staying warm, asking, how you doing? Oh, fine, need to put another little stick of wood on the fire. It's like, oh, good grief. You know, that's what I think about when I look at these trees. I know I'm being a little silly, but, you know, when you think about them, and in your life, too, you, you think maybe that tree that was in that particular place that was on the farm or by the house, or maybe you, uh, my uncle, actually, I wish I'd have put this up, I just thought about it. He had a tree that he planted in his yard 40 years ago when he moved to a particular house. And it just got so big uh, that they decided to cut the tree down, but they cut it down about this high, and he had a guy come and, and chainsaw carve a bear into it, and they painted it, and it looks really neat. You know, trees mean so many things to us, and, and you know, that sometimes they're one of the hardest things to get rid of around our house. And, and when you really start to think about it, even some of the things I've mentioned barely scratch the surface of how versatile trees really are in their offerings to our lives and to our world. For example, trees provide shade on a hot day. They provide stability for banks and hillsides by the way of their deep root systems, and they provide beauty for our landscapes. They also, through the process of photosynthesis, try to say that five times fast, through that process they take in carbon monoxide that can kill us if we have too much of it, they take this in to live off of it, and then they produce wonderful oxygen that we need to live. We need trees, and I appreciate them for that more than anything very much. Uh, they also, even in their death, believe this or not, in their death, they make for us much joy in our lives as Christmas trees. In their death, they also make up the components that make up our houses, but they also create some awesome trim for the cars that we drive. If you see that, that's the Griswold family car from the Griswold vacation. Beautiful car, I think. I'd love to have one like that. And uh, they also create beautiful fall colors as they die to only come back again in the springtime. They also make shelves, bookcases, desks, tables, fixtures, counters, cabinets, paper, and so much more. And the other thing that I love about them is that even though we keep cutting them down or when they start to die, they still reproduce. You can clear cut a plot of land and they'll come back in full vengeance, years later, the process starts all over again. I tell you, I just really love trees. I think, they're, I think they're a marvel. And they're not, as they call sometimes, a modern marvel. They've been around since the very beginning before people ever set foot on the earth. Trees are so wonderful, and they're so wonderfully versatile. And for our purposes this morning, they teach us so much about life, especially our life with Christ. The Apostle Paul planted himself from seeds of the gospel many churches on his missionary journeys. But he was not only invested in the ones that he planted, but he was also invested in the churches that began as a result of the seed he planted within somebody that they took back to their hometown and they planted in the life of the people that they lived around. He was concerned about the people who carried the messages back to where they lived. And this was the case for the church in Colossae. He didn't personally plant this church, 
but yet somebody who heard the gospel message took it back to the Colossae and they started to preach the gospel, proclaim it, and a group of people began to accept the Lord. This is what we hear from the opening words of this letter that we have read from this morning. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all of God's people. They have never met anyone outside of their group of believers, yet they still love them because they're in Jesus Christ. And I love that Paul, even though he hasn't met them, he is praying for them. Wouldn't it just be absolutely wonderful to know that somebody is praying for you that you have never met, and that they're not only praying, but they're avidly petitioning for you to God on your behalf. And that's what Paul was doing for them when he said in uh, verse 1 of the passage that we have read this morning, I want you to know how hard, listen to this, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. He is contending with great passion avidly for these people that he has never met. Paul is telling them that he is going to battle for them in prayer, that he is giving it all that he has for them, for people that he's never met and have never met him because he wants them to continue to know. He wants them not just to hear, but to develop and to live in Christ, to have the full riches of complete understanding, as verse 2 tells us. And Paul is not just contending for them in prayer just because he wants the church in Colossae to know Christ in a sort of fuzzy and warm way that makes you feel good at night when you go to sleep. No, that's not why he's contending for them like battle in prayer. No, he is praying that they will find Christ in all wisdom, in all knowledge for this life and the next. Because there are many people who are going to try to deceive them with what in the country, as us country folk would say, slick sounding arguments, slick talkers. He's contending for them because he knows that even though things may be going good for you right now and you've accepted Christ, the devil can't stand it and he's going to send some people in there to deceive you and to try to pull you away from Christ and the gospel that you have accepted. And he's praying that they might have the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ that it may outweigh the earthly wisdom and the earthly knowledge that they have heard about, that they may have even known at one time and that other people bring to them so that no one can deceive them. Because the church in Colossae lived in a day and an age where people actively questioned the reason for their existence. They questioned who they were in the grand scheme of life and they started to question how they fit into the larger universe that surrounded them, at least to the extent at that time that they knew about the universe. And of all the things that God attacked, then as well as now, the faith was always seemingly up for debate. How in the world can you believe in something in which you cannot see? Asking the question, then as well as asking it now, it seems so many days, why do you believe what you believe? People questioning, why do you believe what you believe? They lived in a society that did that regularly. We live in a society that does it daily, it seems. As much as we acknowledge God 
and our Lord Jesus Christ as the source of our existence and our hope for eternity, there are those who seek to provide another way of thinking, a different philosophy, an alternative, not just to the faith as a whole, but even a different theology. Some who would take the Word of God and the Gospel of Christ and they would turn it for their own purposes in their own gain, controlled and orchestrated by the devil to try to challenge the Gospel in which they had believed and accepted. The Gospel that would continue to save them as it did the first day that they believed it. See, Paul commended the Colossian church for their firm and disciplined faith in Christ. Yet he knew that at any moment things could change. Don't get settled. Don't just be happy where you are now is essentially what he was telling them. Things could change. Be rooted because tomorrow things might be different for you. Though you are firm today, contentment in being firm, contentment in your relationship, being happy where it seems like you feel like you are and that you don't need to leave this place, that you're good right now, there's nothing more that you need to do. Contentment in that can lead to our downfall tomorrow. So then what is the solution? For them and for us. How did they and how do we remain faithful despite the wolves who want to devour us and our faith? And verses 6 and 7 provide the answer as well as they are our theme verses for this year's vision. This is what it says. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let me read that one more time. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Church, in order to stand in this world for Christ, Paul says that we must be rooted in Christ. In order to maintain our faith despite those slick-talking deceivers, we must be rooted in Christ. To stay strong, we must be rooted in Christ. Verse 8, Paul tells us you must be rooted so that you might see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. They're going to try to pull us from Him to some other worldly way, and it doesn't matter what it is. Satan doesn't care what philosophy, what thought, what theology, what warped sense of thinking, or even atheism itself. He doesn't care what pulls us away. He just wants something to pull us away because he knows the way, the truth, and the life that no one else can come to the Father through is Jesus. And as long as we're holding fast to him, he knows that he doesn't have us. And that is why he'll send anything our way, a variety of different philosophies to try to tell us that there are more than one way to heaven. There's more than one way to think about it. There's a different way to go. You don't have to just go one way while Jesus still yet cries out saying that there is a narrow path though there is also a wide path that many are walking. The narrow path is where we need to be. Paul is reminding them, stay the course. It is the gospel that has saved you. You need to continue to live in it and be rooted in it despite who comes your way. That you need to stand for it. I found a, an article because of a, a thought that popped into my mind and I'm so glad that I didn't just find the quote, I found a part of an article that it came from. And you'll recognize it too. During World War II, a medical journal article was published by Dr. Gordon A. Eddy, 
speaking to the mental health needs of war veterans coming home. Listen to what he wrote. This is what he said. We are trying to show him, that is these war veterans, not only that we are fighting what we are fighting against, but what we are fighting for. So many of these boys only had a very hazy idea of the real issues of war. About all they see is going back to the good old days. This is a dangerous state. If they don't stand for something, they will fall for anything. They need to realize we are fighting two wars. The war of arms and the war of ideas. That other war of which the war of arms is one phase. Just thinking about how things were, how things used to be, doesn't always provide stability for the life that we need to live just ahead of us. Church, Dr. Eddy spoke to the spiritual battle, or excuse me, he spoke to the flesh and blood battle of World War II that these boys were coming home from. But yet, I believe in many ways he is also speaking in his heart to the spiritual battle that we are engaged in that requires much of the same concentration and discernment when we are coming home from being locked in war with Satan. We are engaged in something that requires much of our attention. When Paul speaks of this elemental spiritual forces of this world, he tells us that these powers are real. And he explains what those powers are in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are those elemental forces that we face that are all around us, surrounding us every day that we can do nothing about other than fight with God's help. Church, when it comes to our faith, we have to choose what we are to stand for and what we are to be rooted in or we will fall for anything. Again, I say that we have to choose what we're going to stand for and what we're going to be rooted in for our faith lest we fall for anything. We'll fall to deceptive philosophies. We'll fall to trials. We'll fall to testing. We'll fall to pain, strife. We'll fall to our past. We'll fall to temptation and we'll fall to sin if our faith is not rooted in Christ. Satan will send things and people to seek to uproot the foundation of our faith. And if we are not firmly rooted in Christ, we will fall to Him because He's been fighting this spiritual battle long before we ever came along and He's getting better and better at it as time goes by. Since the beginning of time, He's been seeking to pull people away from God in an all-knockout, drag-out fight that He can possibly muster up. And the only way for us to win the war for our souls is to take up arms against Him in Jesus Christ for if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? The way we endure the storms and the people and the forces that seek to uproot our faith is to dig down deep in Jesus, to be so rooted in Him as the old song says, that like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Then like that tree, we shall become versatile in this life. We will, in Christ, provide a place of shade and rest for a weary traveler. We'll provide stability for crumbling foundations all around us. And we will provide beauty amidst the bleak landscapes that seems to be the lives of people that are in our workplace, in our families, and even in our churches. 
Church, like trees, we will help other people breathe easier by taking in the negative of the world and breathing out Christ into their life so that they might live too. When Christ is in us, when we live for Him, we will bring joy to an otherwise joyless world. And then not only can we live well, but even when our time comes to die, we can leave a legacy that continues to add comfort, beauty, and shelters to those still yet living as they think about the faith that we possess while we were alive. Church, if we are thankful that Christ saved us, why would we not want to help someone else know Him as we do, to be as blessed as we are, to find a root that is dug deeper than any storm can pull up in this life? But I want to tell you something. This is going to come at a cost. The devil can't stand it when we fix our gaze and our vision solely on Jesus Christ. And he definitely can't stand it when we make disciples teaching other people how to do the very same. The winds of temptation and trial will blow us and make us feel like we are going down. But I want you to remember this verse. Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And because He has overcome and we are in Him, we shall overcome too. He hung on a tree so that we might be able to stand tall as one. And I just want to simply say, church, may this be our aim. May this be our desire. And may this be our vision, not just for this year, but in the years to come, as long as the Lord allows us. Shall we pray together? Father, thank You for this day and all of Your blessings and for this time You've given us to gather and to worship. I just simply come now asking, Lord, that You will show us how it is that we can become more rooted in You. Father, that You will use this year and this vision going forward, Lord, every single time we gather together, whether it be during, on, uh, during Sunday morning worship or even during the week as we seek to, to, to begin these connect groups, to connect to one another and connect to You, that You will use all these times to just dig us deeper down into the foundations of your Son. Dig us down in the bedrock that nothing can pull us up, that the wind might blow us, but Lord, we shall not be moved. Father, let us be those strong people in this world that those can come to when they are in need and when they are struggling, when they are bent over and it seems like they're about to fall. Lord, let it not be us that they come to. Let it be you within us that they come to and find strength and help and hope in, that they find encouragement, that they too might learn what it's like to be planted firm in you. But Lord, first, may we be planted in you ourselves. Father, strengthen us for we are weak. Lord, make us strong in your love. Father, if there is something that is keeping us from being rooted in you, if there is something that is becoming toxic to the soil around our lives, I pray that you will help us give that thing to you or those things to you, whatever they might be, so that we might be as fruitful and that we might be as productive as we can possibly be for you in this world, O oh Lord. We need you. We need your strength. We need your guidance. We need your direction. We need your love to fill our days. And I pray now that you will just help show us how it is that we can dig deeper down into you, whatever that might call us to do this morning, that we would do it for your sake, Lord. Because you gave your all for us, may we try our best to give our all for you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church. If there is something that's poisoning the soil of your life, as we know, if there is, there is something that's going into a root system that is not helpful for the tree, anything but water is going to cause it pain and it's going to cause it to die. Is there something that's eroding the foundation of our life? If there is, I just want to tell you, God's got the best green thumb in the world and He can fix us right up. He can fix us to where it is almost as if nothing ever happened, that the only thing we'll see is a scar. Church, is there something that's eroding the soil of your life? Is there something that needs to be given to God so that you might flourish 
for Him, grow in Him. If there is, lay it down at the altar this morning. Especially if you're a believer and you've been struggling with something you haven't given to God, let Him take it. And if you haven't given your very life to God, if you're not a Christian yet, I pray that you will begin growing in Him, that you will set firm a, a firm foundation in Him and grow deep roots into Jesus Christ so that not only you might be blessed when the end of time comes, when the end of your life comes, that you'll stand in heaven with Him, but that you can stand with Him in, the, in, in this life and find His words to be true, that He will give us life and life more abundantly, that you would know that today, especially if, if your life seems to be eroding around you. Put Jesus there. Let Him be the source that you grow deep down into. If there's a need that you have in your life for any reason, emotional, physical, spiritual, some kind of struggle, maybe you've got somebody else on your mind that you can't get off. I pray that you will bring it to the Lord today. Don't be ashamed as we're not ashamed to raise our hands to pray. Do not be ashamed to come to the altar because we want to make this a place where we can confess to God and one another and not feel ashamed, but be raised up in His light to walk in the newness of what He is calling us to. Church, don't hesitate. Let the Lord speak to you today. I offer that invitation as we stand together and we sing.